A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Welcome to the DNA Airwaves. How are you this cold, wintry day? We are here with Dariki Palmer, with Anthony Lewis. I'm Matt Kesselman, and our guest today is Florian Zimmendinger. Did I get that right? Zimmendinger. Not not, not too bad, not too bad. (laughs) Zimmendinger. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, nice to be here. Although you were saying it's not too cold where you are, though, right? Mm. Well, yeah, for me, it's not quite quite that cold because I'm actually uh, calling in out of Hong Kong and here it's about 20, 25 degrees. So it's actually uh, real nice, like uh, better nice. than in the summer when it's way too hot. Mm. And nice. how, uh, so are you're there, I can see that you're wearing the Soundbrenner hat. Is that what brings you to Hong Kong? Work on your platform? Uh, yeah, actually that's the, that's the reason. So I started Soundbrenner in 2014 in Berlin, in Germany. Yeah. I'm originally from, from Germany, so if you, you have to, the difficult pronunciation, uh, to, you have to thank the Germans for that, for my last name. Right. Um, Thanks, Germans. And, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, when we, when we started working on, on Soundbrenner, I, uh, I mean, I don't know if, if all of the listeners know what we do. Uh, essentially, uh, we have like, um, like a, a variable device. You can kind of think of it as a Fitbit, but for musicians. Mm. Uh, it has various music tools included, like a vibrating metronome that lets you feel the beat, for example. So right. it's fantastic if you play instruments to, to get the beat and play along. And so um, like starting to, to work on hardware, um, out of Europe, it, it was actually really difficult. Like, it's very hard to even get access to components to build prototypes. Right. Because mm-hmm. so little electronics are now developed in Europe today. It's all developed in Asia. Yeah. And so that made me consider, uh, I, I actually had lived prior to that as a student in Asia. And then I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this properly, I I don't want to start the race with kind of this heavy cannonball attached to my leg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being sense. in Europe yeah, yeah. and being so far away from where all the magic happens. And, right. And so I just started off right out of the gate by moving to Hong Kong to, to do this. And how's your Cantonese? Uh, it's okay. I can speak a few street names. And <laughs> the, the, like the, the challenge is in Hong Kong, everybody is so good at English. So mm. it, it's not oh. really very motivating to, to learn Cantonese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see how it is. No motivation love, in Hong Kong. Yeah, I can speak Mandarin a little better though. I lived in China for a while, and oh, English okay. in China is not not as common. Uh, so right. that's why I, I spent much more time learning Mandarin than Cantonese. Interesting. Oh, that's convincing. What did you just call us? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't you don't want to know. Oh man! <laughs> no, man, if if you want, we can speak in in Chinese as well. No problem. Uh, but that was a lie. Maybe our next podcast. Does that blow people's <laughs> minds, or is that a normal occurrence now? Uh, what do you to mean? To see a German Sorry? guy speak Chinese, to see a German guy speak Mandarin, is that something that happens uh, often now, or is it still something like, "Whoa, look at this guy"? Uh, I mean, in, it, it depends where you go in China. Mm-hmm. Like in Hong Kong, I never speak Mandarin uh, because I, I can just use English. Uh, but then right. in China, when you go to really rural areas, then people are like really excited. Right. Sometimes I, yeah. I went to villages, they had like never seen a foreigner before, like kids. Mm, but then right. if you go wow. to, let's say, Shanghai or Beijing, then people are not that excited to see a foreigner. Not impressed. Yeah, it's not, not, not too impressed, yeah. That's pretty cool. So even, I guess, even before that, how did, 
I'm, I'm curious how this idea came to be because, well, I mean, I guess you'll tell me I have all these different guesses and ultimately though, what, le- what led you to decide that this was a product and that there's even something wrong with the traditional metronome that you can make better? Um, how did it come to be? Right. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, it started at, uh, at kind of this startup event in Berlin. I went on a Friday on a whim to something okay. called Startup Weekend. And uh, that's, that's a kind of an event put together, I think back then it was by Google, where everybody who wants can just join. And mm-hmm. you go yeah. there Friday after work, kind of. And then you spend uh, 48 hours working like crazy and then on sunday you present in front of a jury like your business and as if you had a business you know and so i went i went there for fun because that sounded like a fun weekend to me and somebody (laughs) in the crowd you know you form groups to begin with and i didn't even have an idea but somebody said i have an idea for a vibrating metronome and that made instantly sense to me because I grew up around a family of musicians. Like my brother plays six instruments. My wow. dad actually played cool. in a Beatles cover band <laughs> nice. uh, when, when he was young. And um, I, I actually, my, my piano teacher was always asking me to use a, a metronome and I always hated it because wow. it's very annoying. Yeah. So I could instantly relate. I was yeah. like, okay, this sounds super cool. So I'm going to join this guy and we're going to, we're going to win this startup event. And so then we spent the whole weekend working uh, and we actually even made a prototype in, in 48 hours and we managed to win wow. the first prize in this, in this, um, in this uh, startup weekend. And normally at that stage, it, it's like over, but we yeah. or I, I kind of got obsessed with it. I was like, this is really <laughs> amazing. And I got like so excited by it. Yeah. So kind of the, wow. we were five people that came together and four of them kind of dropped out uh, and stopped working on it after like one or two weeks or maybe a month, yeah. to be fair. And the guy who had the initial idea, he was actually already a bit further in his career. I actually just had graduated from university. Mm-hmm. I actually never really had a job out of university. I, I just graduated wow. a few weeks prior to that. Right. Uh, that but, but the guy who had the idea, he was already a bit like further along in his career. He couldn't just drop everything and jump into this. But he was yeah. able to fund my beginnings and he felt like, you know, he was like, okay, this, this guy, Florian, I can bet on him. So, so he gave me a bit of cash to, to get started. Awesome. And yeah. I found a co-founder, in a, like a, a, a technical co-founder that actually knows how to, you know, solder and code apps. And then the two of us, we kind of kicked this off and, and really went after it seriously. So that's how, how the ball got rolling. Super cool. Well, it's a it's a very interesting idea um, that your, your your main product, which is the um, the haptic metronome, and there's a version that goes on your wrist, and there's a version that goes on your chest or on your back, right? And it's, it's interesting to think about because really all it is is a communicator with the musician, right? You're 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 giving the musician information. Uh, about the timing of the song. And most people are used to that being, <coughs> excuse me, um, an uh, auditory signal, like a metronome, like a click, yeah, yeah. click, click. And that's what most musicians grew up with if they grew up with any kind of metronomes. Um, and if if we really think about the first the original metronomes, there were like a stick that swung from side to side, right? And that mm. gave you a visual feedback of what's going on. But then, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I think drum teachers and maybe other teachers in general, ones that don't mind hitting kids, uh, when they're playing, <laughs> we'd like smack them on the back to give them the timing. And the, the, the great idea with what you guys are doing is that it doesn't matter which sense you use, as long as you're communicating through one of the senses with the person and little smacks like that makes a lot of sense. And, and for some musicians, those clicks are tiring in the ear. You have to turn them up so loud that they come out deaf. Uh, we have an issue with um, drummers that go, turn the click up more and more. I can't hear myself. I can't hear timing. And then when it's time to mix, you hear in all the microphones because it bled from the headphones. So this idea is a a huge change, especially that you guys made it so compact. 
um, that it fits on your wrist and you don't have to have a massive battery pack with it. Uh, What kind of challenges did you have developing this idea? Because it doesn't seem like it'll work right off the bat. Uh, yeah, like first off, you're, you're totally right. Actually, I forgot to mention this. My guitar, uh, not, uh, my piano teacher always tapped me on the shoulder as well. So that was another mm. reason why I could like relate to this when, when this idea came up. And um, yeah, for sure, we, we, with, the, with, the, with the visual aspect, that's actually even important now in our product too. Uh, we, we decided to add uh, like LEDs. There's an LED ring in the product mm. that's synchronized with the vibration. So you can also have that... Uh, the visual dimension as well, uh, depending where you wear it. If you wear it on your wrist, it's very easy to have the the lights um, as a second impulse, kind of. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in, in terms of the challenges of the development, uh, actually, it, there's a lot. Like um, the the first things we did, I think, which was very good, was to prototype a lot and try out with musicians what works well and what doesn't. So, for example, one of our key questions at the start was like, what kind of vibration motor do we use? what te- te- technologies even exist because we we're not yeah. vibration experts or anything like that right. at that time. So we had to like, uh, for example, there was one of the problems in Germany. We tried to get our hands on vibration motors and then we, 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 we walked around Berlin through all the electronics shops to get vibration motors. And they basically had wow. like one single motor in all of Berlin. And I remember, uh, <laughs> you know, then being in, in China in a city called Shenzhen, which is right at the border to Hong Kong, which is where all the electronics are designed and manufactured. Um, There was like this, this mall with like 10 floors and each floor had like a different type of component. Like one floor was just batteries and the other floor was, and and, and there was like this old lady, she had a card with wheels uh, to a glass. And, and she had like, I think 150 vibration motors in her, little glass cards and we could just like buy one of each, you know, and, and start tinkering and trying stuff out. So, so, so that was like one big question, like the vibration motor uh, technology. And then another one was, where do you want to feel the vibration? Like, is it the best to feel it on the wrist? Do you want to feel it on the chest, the neck? Like we tried different positions. Uh, we even had some crazy ideas like having, uh, for example, on your arm, if you wear it on your arm to have like four, uh, motors distributed across the arm so you oh. could kind of feel where in the bar you are mm. depending which oh. motor oh. vibrates wow that sounds but, cool. but, it, okay. but it turned out like the brain actually doesn't is not able to distinguish mm. if it feels something on the inner arm or the outer arm um, really? it, it's it's mm. kind of crazy you think you know yeah but you actually don't you just really feel it something on the arm so that didn't work um, Interesting. and like one 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 thing that came out of all this testing was that it's very individual based on the instrument and also the musician, which position people prefer. Right. Like right. Uh, generally the best position is something very central that you don't move as much. So uh, we eventually came up with this concept of a body strap. Uh, so you can like wear it on your chest or, uh, well, we, and you, it's really quite flexible. There's also the option to wear it on the ankle, the thigh, the wrist, the arm. So, so we suggest musicians in the product onboarding to try all these positions and and find what works best for them. And we just made the product really flexible for that. That's yeah. interesting. Because I can imagine for for a drummer, for a drummer, it would be difficult to have it on the wrist because there's so much movement and so much vibration coming from the stick that it may not be as conducive. But then you put that on your chest. It's such a cool idea. I, I haven't had a chance to try it because COVID and you can't try things now at music stores, which used to be my only hobby. Um, but it looks like a very exciting idea, especially, I'm, I'm just talking from an engineer perspective, especially because of that headphone bleed. What kind of resistance did you have? Because I, I, I've had a bit of experience with developing an audio product and there's always unfounded resistance. Even if you have the best product in the world, people are going to come out and say, um, Mostly guys, I'm going to say, I, I know better, and here's why, and physics, and blah, 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 right? Yeah. So uh, are you experiencing a lot of that these days? Oh, yeah, you're like 100% spot on on this. Like, so <laughs> we, we are running a lot of Facebook ads to get the word out and bring people to our site and check out our product. Yeah. And then yeah. the comment section, it's always outright war between musicians. Oh, so man. like the one group of people is like, Ah, uh, if you need this, you have no talent. You're not a real musician. And then the other group is like, 
Wow. What are you talking about? Like every serious musician is using a click and a metronome. Like yeah, why would he be using a metronome? That's you know, you have you, have, you so. don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and yeah. then um, you know, people are just arguing about uh, all all kinds of elements there. I, I would say that um, I mean it's just part of every product probably. I don't know if it's music specific. Like whenever something new comes up, you know, there's a certain kind of personality that would that would get skeptical and question it. And yeah, that's fine. That that's that's probably healthy. That you know, there's, there's some people that question stuff. Yeah. And, and how do you kind of like block out that noise? Cause it must be demoralizing as a developer when you see some of the people bashing, I'm sure Matt, you could talk to this too, but how does, how do you kind of get past that? Cause I know uh, some people are sensitive and that might be a deterrent to kind of keep going. So do you have any tips for anyone that, that does experience some of that negativity and how they can kind of move past through that or your experience, what you did to move past it? Yeah, I mean, like even in the early stages of development, it's it was maybe the worst because we had the least confidence that this right. was going to work at mm. all. Like it's a question whether whether you can actually pick up the rhythm with a vibration. Yeah, right. um, and yeah, and then yeah. also, you know, when we didn't have the technology figured out yet, like the vibrations were maybe very weak, they were very drawn out. We didn't know where to wear it, and and then we tried it out with people, and they were like, "Sorry, this is this is not." This is not it. And then we, I'm, I'm kind of an optimist. So yeah, good. that's, I'm not sure if, if that's a helpful advice for other people, but for me, I kind of had this vision in my head. I was like, okay, I understand your, what you're saying. And yep. I agree right now it's not there, but then I had this vision in my head. So if we put all the pieces in the place, just right, then eventually it's going to be amazing. Okay. I <laughs> so like then that, that just, like that, yeah. that just kept us going and I mean, today, what's what's really cool is that with with the with, with different uh, tech tools, you can be like really close to customer feedback. So, yeah. for example, what we do is sure. when you set up the device um, in the app, um, we you register an account with Soundbrenner, yeah. and so then automatically every two weeks, sorry, not every two weeks, two weeks after you set up the product, we send out a survey with a simple question whether you would like. To recommend the, if you would recommend the product to a friend and if you would like to leave a comment. So basically every morning when I get up, I get like maybe 10, 20 messages from customers that just mm. set up the product in yeah. my, it's called Slack, if you guys know Slack. Yeah, yeah. Right. Kind of like yeah, Discord, yeah. it's yep. maybe also very known. Um, I, I, that's just the first thing in the morning I read. It's like 20 messages from customers with their feedback, good or bad. And that's that's always cool to you know have Something in the morning, like, oh, it changed my life. I love this. I yeah, use it yeah. every time I play music. Yeah, that's good like, that's, that, that's really cool. And also, of course, the negative things are, are good to to see what are the patterns, uh, what can we do better. So, so right. this is pretty nice. Yeah. Those are, those are, that's some great, uh, great advice and feedback for people who are starting off in something new. And like Ricky said, just mm-hmm. overwhelmed by the resistance that you're going to get, whether the thing is great, not great. <clears throat> Whatever it is, whether most people like it, there's still going to be some that don't. So that is yeah, huge. I think and I maybe know- like one final final word on that. I think the yeah. like when you start out with a new idea or a new project, yeah, yeah, um, it's always. I think the hardest thing is to do the right things because there are so many things you could be mm-hmm. doing, and yeah. you're usually just one or two people. And so sure. the key is in not doing the wrong stuff. So. It's kind of seductive to start working on your brand and right. write your business plan yeah. and to you know build your castle in the sky. But then yeah, what right. really matters is that you make something that people want. Absolutely. And so that can be quite painful because you need to actually you know make it and show it to people and hear what they say. That's and I yeah. you you just do that and you ignore everything else. And only once you have something where where you can feel or people say this is going to be something people actually want. Then you can do all the other stuff. And yeah, it, it takes, uh, like, yeah, you just have to walk through this negative feedback and, and do that. But, yeah. but I think it's, um, that's what it takes to, to develop something good. Yeah, that's that's a great point because you depend on the feedback you get from the musicians and your customers to know if it was worth you know all the time that you put into it when did you finally um you know have a sigh of relief like ah yes people like it this is gonna work and the market likes it do you know that exact moment when that started happening for you 
Um, yeah, actually, I do. Yeah, I mean, it, it was quite a long journey. Maybe I can uh, tell the side story in between because that's also a, a bit interesting. Like, uh, basically, after after we had the concept figured out, okay, the next step for us was to get the customer validation at scale, kind of, yeah, and see if we're actually you know just high on our own supply or. <laughs> we talked to a few people, they, they know us in person, now we get good yeah. feedback, but is it like re- real? Yeah. And so yeah. then to do that, we launched a crowdfunding campaign on, on Indiegogo. That's uh, also Kickstarter for, right. for people who don't know Indiegogo. Uh, but basically, we put up the product project and people could pre-order the, the product. And it was uh, yeah, also like a, a, quite the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Oh, you remember our campaign? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, actually, yeah, actually, a lot of people saw saw the campaign. So, kind of how it went was um, there's like this pre-campaign phase because what you want to do is you don't just want to put it up right. and hope somebody finds it, yeah, but yeah. you kind of want to build up some hype leading up to the launch so that you have an mm-hmm. audience waiting for you to launch, and then it launches with a lot of momentum and right. you can pick up some press and stuff like yep. that. So we we did an excellent job at this pre-campaign, and we actually got. You know, we posted in forums and stuff, and we got 20,000 musicians to sign up to our email newsletter before we even started. Yeah, um, we, we did this by, by spending about 5,000 US on Facebook ads mm. to bring people to our website. Right. And yeah. the sign-up rate was amazing. Like Everybody was like so curious what, what it was going to be because we, we, we made it very mysterious. We said, uh, this is going to be the first variable device for musicians. It's going to you know, be the future of, of mm-hmm. rhythm and stuff. And yeah, everybody yeah. was like, wow, this sounds intriguing. I want to know what it is. And they signed up. And then we got like really cocky and we got really hyped. <laughs> and we were like, wow, this is going to be a smash hit. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and I remember, you know, calculating already like, oh, if you get 5% of people to buy, I don't know the exact numbers anymore, but it was something like, we're already going to have 200,000 US in pre-orders in the yeah. first 24 hours, just with a very modest rate. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and then my co-founder, uh, he was like, oh, I think we can only hit like 80,000. And I remember thinking we, we made like bets who, who got it right. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Haha, <laughs> like I'm going to win this so easily. Like he's so <laughs> negative. Yeah, yeah. Um, why is he such a pessimist? Like 80,000, <laughs> like that's nothing. Right. And yeah. then we actually had, had like a big big launch event which was also stupid because in, you know when you launch a campaign you really need to work and reply to all the comments but we had a party <laughs> to celebrate that <laughs> wow. and, and uh, so we had the party we opened the champagne and we invited all our friends yeah. and um, it was super, super amazing feelings and yeah. then um, nothing happened like we, we got a few sales yeah. oh, and yeah. Like it was, it was 10 p.m. in Hong Kong when we launched, which was in the morning in the U.S., where most of the email signups were. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, I remember going to bed at like 3 a.m. and yeah. we were our campaign was like at 5,000 U.S. pre-orders, mm. so it was like more than 10 times less than the pessimistic expectations <laughs> I thought from my right. co-founder. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then I remember waking uh, up the next morning, business, right? And I was like. Maybe everybody was asleep in the U.S. and now that it's like the middle of the day in the U.S., it'll pick up. You know, they had time to buy, and, mm. and uh, but I was so scared to look. And while I was sleeping, we like sold five units. It was terrible, <laughs> and and basically it was it was a complete failure in marketing. Um, we had Jeez. we had like told people nothing about the product. We just made them curious, mm, right. you know. But they didn't really know what they were. They they, they didn't really know what they signed up for being a metronome right right. and so mm. we were like really crushed for like two days i remember i i didn't even work on the campaign i just played video games <laughs> and we felt like so stupid <laughs> oh, and and then we were like okay like come on like you know, maybe because we, we we thought you know we didn't know is it our marketing or is it just a stupid idea right and mm. and well we, we just went back to the drawing table and uh we we kept working on it and we just you know started grinding and turned over every stone and we ended the campaign with 250,000 US stocks in pre-orders after 60 days later. Nice. But that was a really hard grind. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. 250,000 orders? Damn. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, oh. US dollars. So that's like oh, a US pre-order dollars, sorry. value. So it was right. about 3,000 orders, I think. 
And that was enough to to continue the business and like seriously develop a mass production version, which is very expensive. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but, but yeah, then to get to your question, you know, when, when did we know it was a success? I mean, at that stage, we, we knew we could convince people to buy it, Mm -hmm. but we didn't know whether they were going to like it. So kind of once we shipped those first pre-orders about one year after we had the idea, yeah. Uh, and the first feedback was good. That was such a relief. Yeah, yeah. Because basically, mm. for one and a half years, we didn't know is everybody going to say this is horrible, you idiots? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you know, and, and and then we shipped out these thousands of units, and the feedback was like, I love this. And then we were like, Oh, that's you know, we didn't waste our life. Like, for yeah, one and a half years of our life. That's amazing. So mm. yeah, good story. You know, I heard um. There's, you're talking a lot about like that grit and determination that it takes to succeed in business or in music, really. Um, I guess in anything in life, if you want to be really successful, you have to push through these pain points. And I did hear uh, one of your interviews actually mentioned one of the things that uh, most people fail at in life is music. I think you quoted like 90% of people try music and give up, mostly as a result of not having... I guess, the determination to keep practicing and push themselves through the practice when you're not good to be, obviously, become better. Can you talk to us about your mindset and how, uh, maybe not the specifics, but you can throw some in, but just how you were able to take that failure, uh, your initial failure in business and turn that around and push through it, most, most importantly, having the foresight to know that you have to keep going. Yeah, I think it's it's a mix of like I said, like you have to kind of have a certain type of personality to, to be a creator and expose yourself. You know, you're kind of in the arena. There's all the haters outside and mm. you have to keep keep going on. So I think it's not for everyone. But yeah, I mean, from a, from a perspective of what you can do to increase your chances of success, I think like you just have to be prepared for it also like a lot of people also in the startup world i think also in the music world you know they think of oh i don't want a real job i'm just gonna follow my passion and do what i love kind of thing and and they are maybe they understood something wrong i think because um instead of talking about passion i i like to think of it more as like relentless determination like i want this to happen so bad that I'm not going to give up no matter what. Like you have to carry me out, you know, dead out of this building for me to give up because I want, this is what I want. And I, I want it more than most other things. And so if you feel like that about something and you're prepared to do what it takes to make it happen, like this is kind of the ingredient for success. So that has something to do with passion, right? But it also isn't like, a shortcut to avoid working hard or right. getting a real job or something like it's, it's actually the opposite. <laughs> yes. In in many ways you are, you know, working more than let's say the average path, yeah. but on the other side, yeah. at times it can also feel like play. It's like, uh, you know, it's like a roller coaster. Yeah. Emotionally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it's like jumping off a cliff. Everywhere. Yeah. That's what I think. So I'm wondering not really wondering, but th- this is sort of a... I, can't, I think we can call it an issue with manufacturing these days. Um, it was sort of in, in the post-World War II, uh, the, the Western world kind of switched from manufacturing to hiring other people in other countries to do it. And the original reason was essentially like, ah, we don't feel bad paying these people less. It doesn't really matter. Uh, we're going to focus on services and have people in Asia make all of our stuff. And that felt okay to the Western world for a while. Until Corona. Um, but then we get to a point like with COVID uh, uh, in Canada and in, in the U.S., it turned out that all masks, for example, were made. I forget where they were, but they were in South America. Like there were no factories in the States or in Canada making masks. And um, I remember there was an interview with Tim Cook where he was kind of being grilled on why do you hire, why do you build your factories in China instead of in America? And 
I remember his answer was kind of surprising to me at the time. He's like, because they work better. They have better factories. They have people who've been doing this forever. Uh, they're more serious about the products that they make and uh, about the quality in the end. So it stopped. This whole thing started as the Western world sort of throwing the jobs they didn't want at the East. Um, and it ended with the West kind of being stuck without manufacturing. So the, the challenge of, of being from, from Germany, a country that can definitely manufacture if they wanted to, and not even having that option, that, that must be really frustrating. And um, can you speak uh, more about that? What kind of, because it wasn't just the motor, right? It's uh, assembly and everything. And you're in Hong Kong now because of that very reason. Uh, is that something you'd like to see change in the future? Or are you happy with this setup? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. Like, I, I definitely have quite a bit of experience with this manufacturing question. Like, I have been to mm -hmm. maybe 10, 10 different Chinese factories and spent a lot of time at the assembly lines and talking to workers and meeting different, um, you know, executives at these factories that yeah. try to get mm -hmm. our business. And I would say, like, in general, for let's say the consumer electronics industry is specifically, that's my area of expertise. Um, there's a lot of network effects in manufacturing. So you, the, you want to have everything in the same region, you know, you want to have all the suppliers, uh, for example, let's yeah. say in our Sunpreneur core, we have uh, leather straps going into that. Uh, we have different metal parts. Mm. We have steel parts. We have screens. We have, Uh, printed circuit boards during the right. development. We needed prototypes. Uh, we needed packaging. We needed people that know how to develop all of these things, sample these things, put them all together. And basically in South China, uh, we have like one city that has a hundred options for every single one of these things. So that's options. like, a, yeah, I mean, I, I, wow. I, I'm sure I could, I could find you a hundred packaging factories wow. in, in that city or in that yeah. broader region at least. And so that makes it really efficient wow. to develop something there. So it's not just, you know, most people, they have maybe a quite simplistic idea. Oh, the, the assembly workers, they are cheaper. So everybody goes to right. China because the assembly workers are cheaper. Yeah. But um, for, for, for a company at our uh, scale, like just this efficiency of having everything in the same place, like that's really good. And then it's kind of like a spiral effect. The more efficient it gets in one place, the less efficient it gets in all the other places. Right. So for example, in Europe, in Germany, you would have a really hard time to find anybody that would develop consumer electronics products designed for mass manufacturing because there are simply so few projects that it's not worth to run such a From, design yeah. service provider company. Like if you wanted to make such a company, you would go to Korea or China And that's where these type of companies, again, there would be a hundred. So that's like one aspect of it. And um, yeah, I mean, what, what Tim Cook said, they, they have a different problem. You know, they have everything in house in terms of the development, but right. they have such a, they operate at such a scale. I think one thing to put it in perspective from, from Apple, um, the factories that manufacture Apple products, they control mm -hmm. more people every day. With, with back checks than the TSA wow. Uh, wow. At, at, at U.S. airports. Wow. So because they have at like so US many wow. at, at all U.S. airports, yeah. So wow. so that's, that gives you an idea of the scale. So they, they couldn't even find enough assembly workers in all of the United States to manufacture the iPhones. There's simply not enough. And then, then the scale in terms of the, the, the factories and just all the components are manufactured there. So you'd have to ship them and... Yeah, which is I hilarious. Mean, also not, yeah, because because it's all about every politician. The, one of their main speaking points is, "I'm going to get more jobs, more jobs, more jobs." And here you're telling us that potentially there was the option to hire like all of America to make iPhones <laughs> instead. They and, and and the infrastructure is just so unsupportive of that in the West that they're like, ah, let's just go to China. They know what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, it's it kind of developed no like that over, over the last decades. Uh, right. That, that, exactly. Like Apple tried a bit or is maybe still trying a bit to bring manufacturing into the U.S. with, for example, I think the MacBook, uh, not yeah. the Mac Pros yeah. are manufactured yeah, yeah. in the United States, for example. Mm -hmm. And 
I could see them. I mean, in general, they are actually diversifying uh, from China away into other regions like India and I think mm. also Vietnam, just so they have more leverage when they negotiate with the different governments. Um, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. And I'm, I'm sure they, they also, you know, bring, bring back a bit more to the U.S. But if, if somebody would flip a switch overnight and say, you can't, you have to manufacture in the U.S., it would be impossible. Like there would be an iPhone shortage for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> for maybe, sure. yeah. maybe this is the, the, the world's way to equalize and bring everybody else to the first world, right? Because you, you look at China and they've definitely grown because of all this business. So that maybe that's sort of an unintentional way to bring everybody up to, to speed, right? Then we take India and we bring them up to speed right. uh, by doing all the manufacturing there. And then eventually everybody's in the first world. And then we have a war over resources like batteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's definitely what happened. I think, I think people have a very, I mean, it depends how, how familiar they are with things. But I think a lot of people have a very... Um, outdated picture of China in, in, where, mm -hmm. in where they think, sure. you know, the Chinese assembly workers are like extremely underpaid. Like I see all the time and I browse Reddit or something, people refer to a Chinese assembly workers as slaves yeah. or something like that, mm. which it's, it's, it's not true at all. Like you, if you, if you actually, the, the factories in China, they now have problems to find people yeah. because there are also so many opportunities for assembly workers and they're so sought out after. Mm. And I think right now, I, uh, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think you get around seven, eight hundred US dollars a month, and obviously wow. the living costs in China are much lower. Like rent, food, everything mm -hmm. is, yeah. is much less. So you can have you can have a pretty decent life with this salary. It's you know not amazing. You're still obviously um, you know an assembly worker. You're not going to live the life of, of uh, uh, Wall Street banker, right. but it's Fair fine. Enough. Like it's <laughs> yeah. if you compare it to twenty, thirty years ago, it's it's insane, actually, how much it has improved, and that's all thanks to the to the business yeah. that was taken out of the West and brought mm. into Asia. I remember it was like ten years ago. Um, there were news breaking on um, people in, I think it was Foxconn, uh, Apple's and Xbox's and PlayStation's factory, um, jumping off the roof and they set up a, a net to stop people from jumping and people were freaking out. This is all unfair. Look at their conditions. But what they failed to look at is the suicide rate in that factory was lower than the rest of the country. Right. If we go to a bridge in Toronto here, there's also a net there to prevent people from jumping. So right. it's all kind of another mm. example of sensationalizing the news yeah. and sort of telling whatever story that outlet <clears throat> wants to tell. When in reality, you're saying that in, in your own experience, people are getting fair wages at this point compared to their cost of living, of course. Right. If somebody got $700 a month here, they would be less than homeless. That's not enough for anything. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, they'd, they'd be right. a homeless person still, still with uh, with credit card debt. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's very interesting how how that's working. And here's something else that I'm curious about, just from hearsay. I haven't had any experience with manufacturing in in Hong Kong or China. Um, is there uh, a sort of culture of friendship and keeping in touch? with people that you work with there? Because from what I hear, it's much less transactional than what it is here. Because here you go to a factory, you go, here are the blueprints, here's the money, never talk to me again. Right? Mm. It's right. different there, right? Could you yeah, tell us about so, that? Yeah, of course. Um, like, for example, when we brought this uh, Sunburner Core, it's like our second generation device, which mm -hmm. features a lot of new things beyond the vibrating metronome. Right. Uh, so when we launched this with the factory, it was like a... 18 months project to de co-develop this and then set up the assembly lines and all the manufacturing tools and stuff. And then when we finished the project, we had a big party at the factory with all the um, assembly workers that nice. participated in the project and nice. kind of the different project managers. And uh, for sure there's like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure if it's like different than with a factory in the US or Canada, but for sure there's also kind of a friendship and, um, you know, you, you kind of look out for each other in a, you know, you, you want each other to succeed. Like it's a, it's a long-term partnership if, when you work with a factory like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and you go, you know, they invite us for dinners and, and things like that to socialize as well. That's awesome. Um, how long? Like what, my, my, one of my employees who, who had uh, the title head of hardware product, he went to the factory much more than me every week. And he actually added a lot of the assembly workers to his uh, kind of messaging apps in, in China. People use WeChat. So he was like really good friends with them and they were laughing a lot. Uh, they, they never made a music product before. And kind of the hilarious thing about manufacturing music products is that you need instruments to test them. Right. For example, they yeah, include a contact <laughs> tuner. So then these uh, Chinese assembly workers, they were sitting there with a guitar at the assembly line, like trying out the tuning and stuff. And, and they were, there's a lot of pictures of them like laughing their, their ass off basically. Awesome. Thing. <laughs> they were, yeah. Just messing around. So, so it's yeah, a very, yeah. it's a very nice atmosphere in, in, in uh, at least with the fact that we were working with. And yeah, I mean, there's also, I mean, not, you know, maybe this was a very one-sided discussion just to kind of also make it a bit more balanced. Like obviously there's also bad things happening in China right. and, there's also factories that look mm -hmm. different, I mm -hmm. think. Right. Um, okay. For example, yeah. consumer electronics are relatively high-end products. Yeah. So there tends to be more budgets to just, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's, there's not much purpose to squeeze, like make it horrible working conditions and squeeze the assembly costs down to the minimum. It's yeah. just mm -hmm. much better to, to run a, a good chip, let's say. Yeah. But I could imagine if you go to, let's say the textile industry, for example, mm. uh, there, mm. uh, the, the, the materials are very cheap. The products are much more affordable. And so mm. then the worker costs are a high percentage of the product. Mm, and then point. I'm sure there are some also like, you know, I'm here in kind of the East of China, which is quite wealthy. Yeah. If you go more to the West, which is less, less wealthy, uh, things are maybe a decade back in the past. So, uh, you know, you, mm. it, it would also be wrong to just say, oh, cool, everything's fine. And, uh, right. yeah, yeah, you know, so everything's going great. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's Thanks the opposite. I wouldn't have too many worries when you buy an Apple product. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have more worries when you buy, uh, you know, like a, a $10 sneaker from China that might be made under... Not so good conditions. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, because you got to think about it. everything is made somewhere. The plastic wrap on your product was made by people. The screws, the tape, yeah. the knobs, yeah. everything so had true. to be made somewhere. And yeah, probably those factories aren't all super friendly and nice. Uh, and yeah. that breaks my heart looking around here. <laughs> See, I, I mean, anybody at home, take a look around where you are and imagine all the factories that were involved and all the people that were involved Never in making about all of this nonsense yes, around yeah. us. We'd be lost without all this stuff. Stuff! Um, so what's, um, what's next? What are you guys... Were, I, I don't know if you can tell us, but um, I'm Hello. sure you guys have something great up your sleeve at this point. Can you maybe hint at it? Uh, yeah, for sure. Like something we haven't talked about much is actually our software side of the business. So Ooh. it kind of Ooh. happened by accident uh, when we... When we designed the, the vibrating metronome, we wanted to keep the interface really simple. Uh, so that meant that we would basically use a phone to change most of the advanced settings, like mm. assigning different vibrations, right. setting up subdivisions, uh, building a library and set lists so you don't have to program everything every time. So, so basically, we made this elaborate metronome app to control the hardware. And then we had the idea to say, oh, this is just going to be free for everybody. And maybe then it would be a great promotional tool. People would like our app and then they would upgrade to the hardware. And it turned out that was a, a really good decision because the app really took off and it's now the top metronome app in the world. Nice. So that Congrats. means we have around 8 million downloads of the app and there's about 700,000 musicians that use the app every month to, to play music. So the app is actually much, much more successful than the hardware. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. um, but, it, but it also worked, right? I mean, it, make, it makes sense because the hardware costs money and the app uh, doesn't. Yeah. And so we've been also, you know, of course, we're working on the hardware and we have new plans there as well uh, coming out this year. Uh, you, you can't hear it if you're listening to this podcast, but uh, a lot of people 
showing uh, the app on video right now. So glad you guys <laughs> yeah, are fans. We all have it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> here's a question that we're uh, uh, yeah. all the musicians in the house are wondering about. Can these? And I I know the answer is they will be if they're not yet. Uh, can these? Uh, metronomes be synchronized to each other and can they be synchronized to a DAW? Uh, yes to both. So we have a multiplayer sync algorithm. So basically you, you can connect the, the variables to the same phone or tablet and then you can sync up to five very easily through Bluetooth and then they will all be synchronized and this works quite well. And then for the, for the DAWs, we, we have a beta that, that works through MIDI. Uh, basically, you connect your phone with a USB cable to your uh, desktop machine. And then um, you can set up USB MIDI to be fed into the phone with no latency through the cable. Mm. And then all the only connection is then from the phone with Bluetooth to our device. And, mm. and that does work. But it's still in beta, so we have a lot of support documentation on that on our website. So if you want to know how exactly that works, mm. then just go to sunprinter.com and, and, and go to the support section. And there's a whole DAW area with, with more details. And the software was the very next thing you guys worked on after the core product? Or was it... Was there something else that you launched after that? Oh, well, we, we actually launched it together with the Pulse. Okay. And then since then, we have been continuously improving it right. throughout the years. And so um, we, have, we have some, like, like basically our next goal, we have been very focused on tools, mm-hmm. uh, metronome, tuner, dB meter. And mm. we, we feel like another area that fits what we do really well is, is uh, habit building and motivation. Okay. So that's that's the next category we want to enter. We are very we are, we are studying a lot of the other apps that help you build habits of things that are difficult to do regularly, like language learning, mm-hmm. exercise, mindfulness, and there's a lot of really successful products there. And yeah. everybody who plays music usually says they wish they would practice more. Right. And so it seems like a good fit to help people you know, build better practice habits and, and play play more often. So, that's, so that's one of the next focus points for us. But that's cheating, man. If you're not inspired on your own, <laughs> <laughs> inspiration can come from anywhere. That's us, man. We love the work that you're doing, though. Oh, did you have another question? No, there? I was going to do exactly what you're about to do. I bet you weren't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know what? You probably were, but now you're not because I'm about to change what I was about to do. So before we let you run, we thank you so much for all the information incredible. that you've it's, it's been really good business, music right across the board, uh, motivation. Love it. Um, I wanted to ask you one thing that I didn't get to sneak in, so now's my chance. Has um, your competitive gaming helped in your business career? <laughs> I see. You've studied my social media bio. <laughs> I watched the uh, interview. I loved it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Um, well, I would I would say so. Actually, I think that I, I was actually surprised. So, so the game I'm particularly into is called Starcraft. I don't know if anybody yeah, here knows Starcraft. I definitely played it. <laughs> it's 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 kind of this crazy competitive game. Like there's there's a Starcraft personality. He says it's like. Uh, playing the piano while somebody shoots at you with a gun <laughs> because it, it's wow. it's very mechanically demanding, okay, just like playing the piano. But then at the same time, uh, your plans are constantly interrupted, and you mm. there's a very strategic element to it. Yep. And well, I, I think like broadly speaking, what video games can help with, or what what they taught me, is uh, problem solving. So I, I oftentimes had to figure things out on my own in in the game right. and. Maybe today, you know, it, it really depends on what, what games you play. Like today, they get so frictionless and dumb. You know, if you play Candy Crush, that's not going to teach you anything. Yeah. Um, frictionless and dumb. I love that. should be a t-shirt. That should be a so, label for people. Uh, a sticker you put on a person. Yeah, there uh, it is. You know, maybe, maybe it's just my uh, elite, elitism, elitism as, a, as an aging Early oh, gamer yeah. from from the from the nineties, yeah. but I feel like the games yeah. in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, they were really um, 
uh, uh, good that they did to, to learn problem solving and they were challenging and mm. um, yeah, you, you could really learn a lot of things there. So I, I, I just had my first son. I'm, I'm making sure he's never going to get an iPad yes. to play Candy Crush. And <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give him all, all the good challenging games that, that I played. So awesome. hopefully he's going to awesome. be into them. And Legos. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. about Legos. Legos are great for kids. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah exactly. That, that's, that's an offline game. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of playing piano by being shot at, that just reminded me of the pianist with Adrian Brody bringing it back to Germany. Uh, would you... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's mind... a crazy, crazy movie. <laughs> would you uh, tell the folks at home and uh, many of them who are driving... Uh, how to reach you, uh, how to find this product, um, anything that you want people to know at this point. Socials, exactly. Yeah, sure. So if you want to learn more about Soundbrenner and our products, uh, the best place to go is soundbrenner.com. We're also on Instagram uh, under Soundbrenner. Uh, You spell it sound and then B-R-E-N-N-E-R. And mm-hmm. uh, then for me specifically, if you want to follow me, I am under the handle SimonFL uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and there you Twitch. can also DM me and reach me. Uh, Twitch, I'm just a viewer, not a streamer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. You'll find me in awesome. the channels of the big StarCraft tournaments in the chat. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much yeah, thanks, for man. developing something that's so helpful for musicians. Um, and not even the whole cheating thing we've, we've covered, but even just the idea of some people can't make any noise at home. People are stuck in their homes during this pandemic, uh, or otherwise just stuck at home. They can't make noise. And anybody that's practiced with the metronome, you know that it has to be louder than what you're playing so you can hear it. Uh, and that's sometimes more annoying than the instrument itself. And you've given people a solution, an affordable solution that they can practice and they can practice on the bus on the way to work, whatever they want. It's on you. Right. Um, and that's incredible. Thank you. Keep on doing those developments. And if you're taking that kind of spirit into other avenues, like you said, about uh, practice and mindfulness, then uh, no doubt that you guys are going to succeed with that as well. So good luck with all of that. Uh, hopefully we'll have you on the show in the future where you can talk to us about uh, other products, maybe in person since you travel so much. Um, take care of yourself out there. Yeah, man. Thanks for yeah. stopping by. Really appreciate it. Hang 10. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a it was a pleasure. Cheers. Each episode of the DNA Airwaves is recorded, broadcast, produced, and all that good stuff right here at the MPL Toronto. The MPL is a collection of film and audio studios dedicated to making all things visual look amazing and all things audio sound brilliant. Check us out at the-mpl, that's maple without the vowels, .com for more details. The podcast is also brought to you by The DNA Project, your live entertainment agency. Anything you need for your live event, they've got you covered. From weddings to large corporate galas, we can do it all or we can do just a little bit. Wonderful people and a great company. Check them out before your live event at thednaproject.ca. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.